morning. I tell you, it, there's a lot of electricity in the air, a lot of great worship going on, and it's good to see each and every one of you. We continue to say that God is good, amen? Well, that's a little weak, but I'll try it one more time. Our Lord is a blessing in our lives. Amen. Okay. And we love Him, and we're doing our very best, I hope, to live for Him and to set Him apart in our life as the one and only God that we look to in all and give thanks to for His kindness. He gives us breath of life, just the simple ability to breathe and to live and to exist and to enjoy our children, our grandchildren, our spouses, our friends, our grandparents. He gives us the ability to enjoy so many things. If you're a believer, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are a blessed individual. And this morning, we're going to look and open up with a text that comes from Psalm 24. And in Psalm 24, hey up there, Psalm 24. There we go. Thank you. We see David writing about worship. And it's about worshiping Jesus Christ the King or God the Father. But he says something here in verse 3 that sort of makes a person step back when he writes, Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord for worship? And who shall stand in his holy place? In other words, who can come before God Almighty, the one and only, who is worthy to worship Him. And we think to ourselves right away, no one. Who can have clean hands, a pure heart? No one. So who can ascend the hill? Who can come into the presence, His holy presence, and stand before Him. If we actually have to have clean hands that are not dirty, that are not righteous in any way, or a heart that is clean and totally set apart with the righteousness of God, I would say no one. David, writing this, as he's moved by God, must have thought, Wow, I caused the death of Uriah. I committed adultery with Bathsheba. My hands aren't clean, and my heart's not pure, and yet... God, you're having me write who may approach you and be in your presence. It is one who has clean hands and a pure heart. 
If I was to ask you a question, and I'm going to do it. How many of you have sinned at some point this week? So, we're right there with you, David. We're all sinners. But what we see is, as the text develops in the sermon series, Blessed. As we look at part six. That God is not saying to David and through David that to be in His presence you have to be perfect because no one is perfect and they never will be. But it is the heart and the mindset and the striving of a lifestyle that desires to honor God. That like Jesus would say in the Beatitudes that we're looking at, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God wants us to take our relationship with Him seriously enough to understand that we know that we're not worthy. And He wants us to be poor in spirit, realizing that The only way we can come into His presence is because He provides through Jesus Christ the forgiveness of sin and gives each and every believer the status of sonship. We may have sinned off and on or a lot this week. But in God's eyes, if we're His, that sin was washed away. He imputes in our life the status of sonship. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough. Our hands clean enough. And our hearts pure enough. He gives it to us through the person of Jesus Christ and the righteous life of Jesus Christ becomes the garment that we wear. Amen. But we know what our status in Christ has cost our Father and the unique Son and the Holy Spirit. And so we thank God for salvation. To the degree that we spend our lives trying to honor what He would have us be. Knowing that we can't be it without Him. Does that make sense? God gets all the glory from our lives. God is the only one that is exalted. And no matter what, Anyone would say, God is the only one that is good. And so we say, thank you, Lord, for giving us the status of your children. But there is a desire for the people of God, whether it's New Testament or Old Testament, to be in his presence. This is what Moses says. Moses has asked God, 
I want to see your face. I want to see you. God is calling Moses to leave Mount Sinai to take the people and to go into the land flowing with milk and honey, the promised land, the the land that God is going to gift them with freely as he's led them out of the Egyptian bondage. And Moses says, I want to see your face. God says, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. That's pretty clear, right? You can't see God. If you see the face of God, you would die. And in this text of Exodus chapter 33, God says to Moses, what I'm going to do is have you stand on this rock. And I'm going to pass by you with all of my glory. And as I pass by, I'm going to put you in the cleft of that rock and cover your face with my hand. And as I pass by, I'll raise my hands so that you can see my back. And Moses is happy with that. I love this text because as we look at our text that we see from Matthew chapter 5 verse 8, Jesus gives believers a promise in the future when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will what? See God. Now, in the Old Testament, it is said that Moses talked face to face with God. But it doesn't mean literally he saw the face of God. What it means is God's presence was there in an angel in a cloud and that cloud would descend by that angel and speak to Moses and that was called face to face but there's something different when Jesus on this hillside speaking to the people he says blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God you think about that To see God, the one and only God in the universe. The God who has no beginning and no end. The God who has existed eternally. The God who flung the stars out into the universe and calls them out each night according to the psalmist by name. The God who knows the numbers of of hair on your head. The God who knows where you're going to put your right foot down and your left foot down before you ever place any of them. The God who's ordained the number of days in your life. You and I are going to see our God face to face But not in the way that Moses saw God. Not through an angel. We're going to see God. Isn't that an incredible promise that Jesus brings out of these Beatitudes? And we understand again, as Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart that it is going to be something that He has to do to create in us 
a heart to give us the status because we know what we are. Have you ever said something or got so angry or viewed something and it just convicted your heart afterwards and you're like, how could I see that, do that, say that, or act that way? I belong to the Lord. It's exactly what Paul was talking about in Romans 7 when he says, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I find myself doing are the very things I don't want to do. And he struggles with wanting to do what is good and right for the Lord, but there's just enough of the flesh that he fails the Lord. Righteousness and unrighteousness. I'm glad that's representative of us all. But there is a blessing. There is God's hand of favor upon an arm around the parent heart. Because God has transformed them, one. And two, because He sees that individual striving, although failing, to honor Him with their life. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He used a Greek verb for see that is one that has the force of continuous action. And the importance of that is that we're not going to see God one time, and then, well, that was great, and now we don't see Him again. Like a lot of kings of the Bible, they have to summon you, and then you could go see them, And then you might not see them again. Forever. But Jesus uses a Greek tense that gives the force of you're going to see God and you're going to continuously see God. And we'll see that in a text at the very end of the message. What a powerful truth. In Matthew 5, we start to see that Jesus has a concern for our hearts. There's His part, and there is our part. And often we call that, in religious terms, sanctification. To live up to the calling, the status, and the blessing that we have. And here we see it most clearly. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman lustfully with intent has already committed with her in his heart adultery. You see, Jesus wants something more from us than just the external action. He wants 100% of our internal desire to please Him. It's easy to avoid this externally, but Jesus takes it to a different level and says, I don't even want your heart to be there because we know what happens in the heart works out. Works out if 
our mouths and works out into our actions and our lives. So that's Matthew. He, he wants more. Look at this next text that we come to. Same type of idea. Either make the tree good, says Jesus, and its fruit is good, or make the tree bad and its fruit is bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. We all know that one, don't we? We might contain things for a while. But then the circumstances all come together. We're not having a good day. We're not thinking about the Lord. We've not meditated on Scripture. We've not prayed. We're just sort of going in the grace of God and hoping that, you know, that's good enough. And then the next thing you know, our actions are bearing bad fruit, unrighteous acts. And then you see, please go back to the slide, that out of the abundance of the heart, that's when we speak. So the heart was a big concern to Jesus. Now you can go ahead and advance. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. And so you start to see that Jesus is saying how important it is to have a right heart before the Lord. So blessed are the pure in heart because they're going to receive God's hand of favor upon them whenever they are striving to have a pure life before the Lord. And here are things that are evil things, evil thoughts, evil actions. And Jesus is saying, I want you to stay away from them. You can really know where you are in your spiritual journey, whether you're mature or immature, and we're all in different places at different times. By the things you say. And the way that you act towards others. And the things that you are doing habitually. And uh, we all see the unclean hands. And we all recognize the darkened hearts. And then we give thanks to the God who has given us status as his children. And given us. A robe that is brilliantly white, stained with his blood, because we belong to him. Matthew 23 here, woe to you scribes and Pharisees, these religious leaders, hypocrites. We know what a hypocrite is, you say one thing and you do another, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside you, you, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate so that the outside may also be clean. And what we are seeing here this morning tied to Matthew chapter 5, 8 is Jesus is concerned about your heart and he wants to do a work of righteousness on your heart but he wants you to join with him in his work 
and to find out those things that please the Lord and to realize we can all pretend and we can put on masks like we got it all together. But God knows, right? You may fool me and I may fool you. But we never fool God. I remember like when I was first starting out preaching in Eagleville Church of Christ. Oh, my goodness, that's like 33 years ago. Everything was stressful. Kids stressful. Horrible cars that break down just trying to get to church stressful. Everything was stressful. And we'd finally get everybody in the car. There'd be a chaos and commotion and sometimes a little bit of arguing like you should have got ready sooner does it really take you that long to get your hair ready and all these things and all self-righteousness spewing out of me and then as soon as we'd pull into the church parking lot there'd be two or three of the elders standing outside in this little country church greeting people coming in and it's like everybody smile <laughs> smile And your body's shaking. Can we get a hallelujah from this car as we get ready to worship the Lord? Because there is Spencer, and he can discern things. We can't hide it from God. God knows what we are. God knows what we're doing. He knows that we are but dust. He knows that we are weak. He knows that we are broken. And yet we try to hide it. Here are religious preachers doing everything on the outside righteously. Giving, serving, doing, quoting, And yet the inside is dark and ugly. So Jesus, again, first cleaned the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside may also be clean. If I'm going to someone's house to eat dinner with them, I'd much rather the outside be dirty on the utensils but the inside clean. Well, spiritually speaking, we want to, Lord, I I want that pure heart. I want clean hands. I want the inside of my spiritual life to be clean and cleansed before you, Lord. And I know it's not easy because I know who I am and what I'm thinking and what I'm doing. But Lord, please, now I would say to you, We give ourselves forgiveness in these areas when we fail. We just do. Well, I meant to. I tried to. This was my motivation. But we're not very good at giving those same considerations to others. Oh, church. Just look at the sinner you are before your God. And because of your spiritual bankruptcy and emptiness before the Lord and what He's done for you. And then look 
at someone else through the eyes of the Lord. We're going to see God. We're going to see the Lord God Almighty. So in the life of sanctification, our part, our act of faith, we strive to be clean. Each and every day of our lives. And we thank God that He is the source of our true cleansing before Him. Next in the passage, Ezekiel writing about the people, prophecy for the future. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Just this idea that's true for all times, that it is God who gives the heart change. He takes the heart of stone and replaces it metaphorically with the heart of flesh. It's a spiritual metaphor that God does a unique work in His people. So we can't really claim anything other than the goodness of God and the grace of God. I'll share a story in a minute about a young lady who sat in my office, looked up with tears in her eyes and said, what took me so long to get it? To see what God desired. And church, we know God's timing is everything. And we know that God works through the worst of circumstances to bring the greatest of spiritual blessings in many people's lives. But it is God alone that gives the new heart. I've known this young lady for many years now. I remember when I first met her, I knew that her mom and dad had been praying for all of the family, especially their children. Lord, please, before we die, let us see them come before the Lord. That's the prayer of parents, isn't it? We want our children to know you, Lord. We want our children to love you. We want to see it. And I am here to tell you, in that circumstance, God has answered the prayer of a mother and father. But, you know, being a person of flesh, when you meet somebody and you see people in different circumstances, like, Lord, this is going to be a really difficult one. Like, Lord, really? No, this, this is going to be hard. Well, the Lord's sort of like, well, it's, it's impossible for you. But it's not that hard for me. So parents, grandparents, keep praying for your grandchildren and your children. I don't care how many years it takes. You bathe 
them in prayer if they don't know the Lord. And be long-suffering and don't give up. And children and grandchildren, let your heart be sensitive enough, the new heart that God gives you, to realize the power of prayer through the people that loved you. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit. Well, what new spirit? Notice it's a little s. It's not the Holy Spirit. Now, we know we get the Holy Spirit. But a new spirit, that the new heart also changes our motives and our way of thinking. I will remove from you your heart of stone, which is hard and impenetrable, and I will put a heart of flesh that will be soft and tender for the things of God, even though you fail at living up to them. That's what's going on here. And then we see right here a promise in the next passage of Scripture. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then what? Face to face. Now Paul alludes to one of these days. Prophecy will cease. Faith will cease. Hope will cease. They won't be needed anymore. When that which is perfect comes, and I believe it's the Messiah, we're going to know things more fully on the other side. Just like God knows everything about you, every detail of your life, there's going to come a place in your future on the other side where you're going to know everything as well. You ever hear people say, I want to ask God this question or that question when I get into heaven? You're going to have every answer to the question. God is going to do something to let it be fully known. We will see him face to face. Right now, we don't. It's, it's dim and, and sin mars the relationship. And we strive and we grope and we fail and we reach out. But now it's as though looking in a polished piece of metal. We, we see, but we don't see perfectly. But we will see perfectly. And we shall know fully, even as we have been fully known. So there's another promise that's coming from Matthew 5.8. But here are these last two slides. The river and the tree of life. We see the final punctuation to the promise. You will see God. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as a crystal, flowing from the throne of God and Lamb through the middle of the street of the city of God. Also, on either side of the river, the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now watch right here in this next part of the text. No longer... Will there be anything accursed? There will not be sin. There's coming a time 
on the other side at the return of the Lord when God's people are in the great city with God in the presence of God fully where there is no sin, no suffering, no hurt, no pain, no growing old, no sickness, nothing, anything that's a curse, but the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. That's Jesus, the Lamb of God. And His servants, you and I, will worship Him in His presence. What's that say? Read it with me. They will see His face. And if you just jump down here to the bottom of the screen, that God will be there and they will reign forever and ever, continuously. Just what Jesus said when he used the word for see, a continuous thing. We will see God's face. We will look upon the one and only God. And his name will be written on our foreheads. And night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun. For the Lord God will be their light. And they will reign forever and ever. Church, brothers and sisters, those that have pledged their faith to the Lord, blessed are the pure in spirit, pure in heart, for they will see God. And I'm excited about that. I'm thankful for it. And it's all and only because of God. Christina, would you come up? This is the young lady I spoke to you about. Her brother passed away just not too long ago. And she sat in my office talking about how God had moved in her life. And she said something that her mother and I have never heard. I'm 100% ready to follow the Lord. And it is by the grace and goodness of God Almighty. She looked up, crying. Why did it take me so long? Long time or short time doesn't matter. All that matters is God has reached down and touched her life. And she's ready to surrender it to him. And Joe and Vicki, you are some of the most blessed people I know because God's answered your cry for your children to come to know Him while you are still alive. Amen? Amen. And so, Christina, I'm going to take your pledge of faith and your confession. God bless you. I didn't sneeze. <laughs> <laughs>
She gets that from her dad, okay? I just want everybody to know. My allergies, yes, sir. Christina, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Absolutely. Do you accept him as your personal Lord and Savior? Without a doubt. And upon that belief and that confession before your brothers and sisters, we're going to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless. I go to take you up here. You can stand with us as we uh, continue in our time of.